It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellen. Coming up on episode number 93 of the Night Talker, it's another Trey and BK Friday. 1045, where are we at in society? Taco Bell is getting sued over their meat. At 10.30, Ricky Williams gives a nuanced opinion on hazing in sports to BK and Bucky during their Texas Sports Unfiltered Morning Show. At 10.15, Phil Mickelson's gambling degeneracy is back in the spotlight. And coming up in seconds, we're discussing the Longhorns secondary based on some recent comments by Steve Sarkeesian. I am your host, Trey Elling. Give me a follow on Twitter at CourtesyWave. And do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. And at Brad Kellner is where you can find my broadcasting partner in crime. You can also hear him daily on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel, hosting mornings with Bucky Godbolt from 8 to 10 a.m. and with me from 12 to 1. That's mornings with Bucky and BK from 8 to 10. And yes, a return of midday with Trey and BK beginning at noon going all the way until one o'clock monday through friday just search texas sports unfiltered on youtube and now here is an hour-long taste of midday with trey and bk beginning with some longhorn football talk let's talk about what steve sarkeesian had to talk about with josh pate yesterday since we're talking about colin simmons who plays defense we'll start with sark's thoughts on his secondary going into 2023 take a look take a listen If you thread the health needle and everything goes as you would love it to, what kind of unit could you have there overall? I really like our secondary. You know, when, A, I'll talk about Catalan first. You know, what a great addition to our team, never mind just our secondary. You know, he comes with the real intent every single day. Um, He's very mature. He's very meticulous in his approach. The passion is there. The communication is there. Um, and then the playmaking is there. And I, I think obviously there's a level of physicality to his play that you have to have at safety that he definitely plays with. Uh, but we're returning three starters there as well. And Ryan Watts, uh, you know, Jaron Thompson and Jade Barron. And Jade has been a fantastic player for us at nickel. Um, a guy who's been a playmaker in the run game, the pass game, creating turnovers. Um, but we have a lot of really good young players too. Terrence Brooks really came on uh, at the end of last season. We had an addition at, at, at transfer in um, Gavin Holmes from Wake Forest, who was a two-year starter there. Um, you look at a couple kind of high-level recruits in uh, Derek Williams at safety, uh, Malik Muhammad at corner, and and then you you know Jalen Gilbo actually was starting ahead of. Jade Barron last year before a season-ending injury, so he's back, not to mention a lot of other faces. So I like the depth. I like the mix of veteran players and the leadership they provide, but I also like some of the youth and the playmaking ability that they provide. Credit to Jojo there. So what do you make of Steve Sarkeesian's comments about the secondary, Trey? I am excited about this defense on the whole, but I may be most excited about the secondary, even more so than that defensive line that looks like it is filled with studs and with an incredible amount of depth, too. You just heard Steve Sarkeesian list some of the uh, big-time guys who are returning this season, guys who are uh, in that ball hawk category. Jaron Thompson is a great example of that, as is today Barron. I know he's dealt with a, uh, a small injury issue in fall camp, but hopefully it's not something that carries over into the season. And the X factor really is Jalen Catalan. I mean, if he can give you, gosh, I don't know, 10 
nine, 10 regular season games and is healthy enough to make the sort of impact that he's capable of if and when Texas makes the Big 12 championship game or perhaps uh, even uh, loftier goals than that, a college football playoff spot, that would be huge for this football team. But regardless, I mean, you, you have a mix, as Steve Sarkeesian just talked about, of guys who have really proven themselves over the last few years. Ryan Watts in that category, even Gavin Holmes coming over from West uh, Wake Forest, and guys who re- really are starting to figure it out, too. Like, I am on the Terrence Brooks train right now, BK, and I was critical of him last year, as a lot of other people were. He had a couple of really bad coverage busts, being forced into action as a true freshman, and just not understanding what his responsibility was, where Anthony Cook was coming over and chewing him out for essentially allowing a a long touchdown on a couple of different occasions, but then the bowl game happened. And I realized Texas lost that game, but there were always silver linings in moments like that. Jonathan Brooks, we saw what was happening in garbage time apply against a first-team defense against a team that ultimately beat you. Jonathan Brooks looked great in that game. Terrence Brooks also had a really good bowl game, too, and I think he's going to continue to build on that and uh, really show us uh, why he was considered a five-star prospect coming out of high school. Yeah, I want to go back to Jalen Catalan for a second. I mean, this dude's a freaking stud. Like, first team All-SEC in 2020. He was a preseason second team All-American in 2021. Phil Steele had him as a first team All-America going into 2022. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Like, that's been the biggest issue for the last couple of years for Jalen Catalan. Honestly, if he had stayed healthy, he wouldn't be at Texas because he'd be in the NFL. Like, that's the type of talent we're talking about. Injuries are the only reason that this guy is even on the 40 acres, but the talent is absolutely there. And if Jalen Catalan, like you said, can stay healthy, I would love to have him for all 12, plus hopefully a Big 12 championship game, plus the bowl game, and then get 14 games out of Jalen Catalan. But yeah, if you told me that you can get nine or 10 out of that dude, then this Texas defense can be even better than it was in 2022. But I have to, I have to temper my excitement with him, man. Yeah. Like, I know how freaking good he is, and I was pumped when he committed to Texas from the transfer portal a few months ago, but it's just the injury thing. It scares me, and it's such a fine line with Jalen Catalan because I'm sure Sark and PK want to tell him, like, dude, like, just maybe you don't have to go balls to the wall and try to declete everybody on every single hit, Yeah, but that's what makes Jalen Catalan great. Like, you know, you're worried, all right, if you keep playing like this, are you going to get hurt again? But also it's like, well, this is how you play, and that's why you were first-team All-SEC, and that's why you were in that All-America conversation. So it's tough, man. Like, uh, Jalen Catalan's a monster. If he could stay healthy this year, yeah, this defense is going to be good, and that's going to go a long way into Texas being a legit contender in this Big 12 and maybe contending for something bigger too. So he he is the X factor. He could be the best player on this defense if he's able to actually be on the field, Trey. Abel318 is asking, I wonder how Catalan compares to Huff's play style since he's been getting a lot of praise. So I come at this question as somebody whose favorite all-time defensive player is Michael Huff. He was so good at safety for Texas for several years, obviously one of the captains of that national championship defense. And I think they're slightly different players. Michael Huff is very capable in coming up and stopping the run, but I liked him a little bit more in coverage. If anything, like based on other safeties that he was playing with at that time, it might be a little bit more comparable to Michael Griffin, but he's a harder tackle uh, tackler than Michael Griffin even too. I'm not sure what the best comp is for a former Texas safety, but uh, if he can put it all together and stay healthy, 
again for nine or ten games, maybe. Then uh, he will put him in, himself in the conversation as uh, in terms of single season greatness at that safety position. Yeah, and if he does that, he could be a day two pick in next year's NFL draft. Like that's just the type of talent that he possesses, and he's just got great instincts. I mean, he's a hard hitter. Yeah. Sometimes Texas fans, this is the UTSD that you always talk about, Trey. When you hear that a guy's a hard hitter, you wonder, okay, but does he actually wrap up? No, like Jalen Catalan actually does wrap up. He's a good tackler as well, and he just has a nose for the football. Yeah. Like This isn't a Texas player, but this is a recent Big 12 player that I think of when I think of Jalen Catalan. It's another Jalen. It's Jalen Petrie with what he did at Baylor, where it just mm. felt like there were three or four Jalen Petries on the field mm. every time Texas played Baylor. He's that good. And he had a great rookie year with the Texans in the NFL too. So it's translated so far to Sundays. But like just that type of player to where it's like, oh man, that guy is everywhere. And he's filling up the stat sheet and even plays he's not making in the box score. He's right around the football just about every single snap. That's the type of player that Jalen Catalan was during his first couple of years at Arkansas. And hopefully that's the type of player he's going to be for this defense this year. Because he uh, he'd be a joy to watch if that's the case. All right, this is a Trey and BK Friday on the Night Talker. You are actually getting a taste of the new YouTube show that BK and I are doing as part of the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. It's a return of Midday with Trey and BK from 12 to 1 weekdays. That is Monday through Friday. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube. You can watch it live from 12 to 1 or check it out after the fact via recorded video. Coming up. Phil Mickelson's gambling degeneracy is back in the spotlight. Proving good things do happen on the radio after 10 p.m. It's the Night Talker with Trey Allen. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with the Trey and BK Friday on the Night Talker, where I am joined by Brad Kellner. If you didn't realize it already, BK and I are doing a midday show once again. Midday with Trey and BK can be watched and listened to live weekdays from 12 to 1 on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube. And here's another taste of midday with Trey and BK, this time having to do with Phil Mickelson getting called out once again for being a gambling degen. Okay, Trey, Phil Mickelson. Are you a Phil Mickelson fan? He is one of the most polarizing golfers of this generation, and he's always been a little bit polarizing, but obviously over the last couple of years with his move from the PGA to Live and really the fact that he was a huge part of why Live started in the first place, uh, he has gained a few more haters. Yeah, there was a point where Phil Mickelson was beloved. Like, nobody who followed or liked golf had a bad thing to say about Phil Mickelson, but that really has changed over the last five years. And that's probably the case for me too. Like I, you know, I was never like Gaga over Phil Mickelson necessarily, but there was a level of respect there. He seemed like a cool dude, obviously a really good golfer too, but I do have to admit that I lose a little bit of respect when I hear just how big of a gambling degen Phil Mickelson is revelations that have really uh, come to light over the last three to five years now. But I also think that he's maybe facing a little bit of unfair criticism based on the story that came out today regarding his gambling inclinations. Yeah, you and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum, my friend, because this story makes me think even higher 
of Phil Mickelson. I've always been a fan of Lefty, but hearing how much of a degenerate gambler he is, <laughs> I love him even more. So yeah, here's some of the details that you were referencing. Uh, this is according to his former gambling partner, Billy Walters, who just put out a new book. And in this book, he talks about Phil Mickelson. And in particular, he talks about Phil Mickelson's crazy gambling habits from back in the day. Uh, here are some staggering numbers in regards to Lefty's gambling habits from 2010 to 2014. He apparently made a bet of $110,000 to win 100K 1,115 different times. So he made that bet 115 times. He also bet $220,000 to win 200K 858 times. He made 3,154 bets in 2011. Rookie numbers. Step it up, Phil. Uh, <laughs> one day he placed 43 bets on MLB games. What the hell? Regular season Major League Baseball? Regular season Major League Baseball. So I guess he had what? The winner, maybe the spread, maybe the total, maybe Nerfy. No run first inning. You could bet on whether or not there will be a run scored in the first inning of any baseball game. Like, you've got to have a combination of those because they obviously don't have 43 MLB games going on any given day. Insane. That is wild. And this guy, Billy Walters, in his new book, Gambler, Secrets of a Life at Risk, sounds like an interesting book, by the way. But uh, he says over the course of his relationship with Phil Mickelson, they gambled more than $1 billion on sports. $1 billion. Wow. In the span of five years. Yeah. And apparently, according to Walters, Mickelson lost at least $100 million in that stretch. So didn't lose a billion plus, wagered a billion plus, but lost $100 million, which, look, Lefty's made a ton of money over the course of his career from his golf successes and his endorsements. That is still a ton of money, dude. Yeah, and I think the detail from this book that has more people's attention than anything else is the thing that I actually don't believe is that big of a deal, and that is him trying to place a six-figure wager on the 2012 Ryder Cup which was a Ryder Cup that Phil Mickelson participated in. That might have been the Ryder Cup in Illinois, and if so, I was at that Ryder Cup. But Mm. people are freaking out. They're comparing Phil Mickelson to Pete Rose, but I actually have no issue with Phil wanting to place this bet because he was betting on the U.S. to win the Ryder Cup that year. That's as American as it gets right there, brother. I'm all for somebody showing that level of confidence in a situation like that. Now, it's... Maybe a different story, I guess, when you're talking about Pete Rose uh, betting on the Reds to win games in uh, in the regular season in Major League Baseball back in the mid to late 1980s. But even then, I have less of a problem than that than him betting on his team to lose. Like I think there are two very clear distinctions there. But for Phil to want to put money on the U.S. to win the Ryder Cup that year, which, by the way, he would have lost that bet, uh, I th- there shouldn't be any issue with that. That is that is Phil showing confidence in his team's ability to win. Yeah, apparently, according to this book, once Phil Mickelson placed that bet on the U.S. team in that 2012 Ryder Cup, he told the uh, teller, my pronouns are U-S-A. <laughs> and then he walked away. Well done. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you, dude. Like, 
I get why pro sports leagues don't want their players gambling, right? They want to preserve the integrity of the game. I understand that. You can call it hypocritical. I have called it hypocritical that during NFL broadcasts, we see dozens of commercials for DraftKings and FanDuel and yada, 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 yet the players can't get any piece of the pie from that deal, and they can't participate in anything that we all can't participate in. So I get it. There's a lot of hypocrisy involved, but I also get why the NFL doesn't want its players gambling. But, man, there have been incidents in the NFL recently where I'm like, oh, that guy's clearly betting against his own team. Oh, yeah. And we found out, I mean, with all these players who have gotten suspended over the last year and change, clearly it's an issue that the NFL is trying to tackle. But I'm telling you, man, bet on your own team. That's or if you're a player, you uh, bet on your own player prop bets. Like I'm going to hit all of these overs. It's like, all right, there's uh, there's your incentive to go out there and play a little bit harder. You know? Yeah, the NFL rules are ridiculous. Like you can't place a bet in the team facility, which okay, maybe, but you can't place a bet when you're on the road at your team hotel on the road. Like, come on, guys. Why, why can't why can't an NFL player bet on a college football game? I I think that's ridiculous. I I think that them not being able to place a bet at all when they are essentially on the road for a game that's happening at some point that weekend, like you can't sit there and profit to the tunes of hundreds of millions to billions of dollars on relationships that you're establishing based on legalized gambling and then sanctimoniously tell your players that uh, they, they need to be above this sort of thing. Like you are fueling the popularity of your league and profiteering off of legalized gambling. You need to loosen up with your own guys just a little bit more. Yep. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think you do make a compelling argument. Yeah. No idea. CB who uh, Hunter Decker's (laughs) betting on, he was betting on everything. It sounds like ridiculous story there. Shout out to you, Andrew. Thank you for the, uh, for the kind words too. Appreciate you guys jumping on board with Texas Sports Unfiltered. It's been a ton of fun through these first four days, Trey. Real quick, BK, I want to read an excerpt from these, this uh, Billy Walters book, Gambler, yeah. Secrets of a Life at Risk, specifically about Phil trying to place this Ryder Cup bet. And by the way, Billy Walters, screw you for this story, or your part in this story, I guess. In late September 2012, Phil called me from Medina Country Club. So this was the uh, the Ryder Cup in Illinois. I was at this. Uh, I was at the final day watching the U.S. collapse. Phil uh. called me from Medina Country Club, just outside Chicago, site of the 39th Ryder Cup matches between the U.S. and Europe. He was feeling supremely confident that the American squad, led by Tiger Woods, Bubba Watson, and Phil himself, was about to reclaim the cup from the Euros. He was so confident that he asked me to place a $400,000 wager for him on the U.S. team to win. I could not believe what I was hearing. Have you lost your mind, I told him. Don't you remember what happened to Pete Rose? The former Cincinnati Reds manager was banned from baseball for betting on his own team. You're seen as a modern-day Arnold Palmer, I added. You'd risk all that for this? I want no part of it. Mm. So unclear if the bet was ever placed. He says that that if the bet was made, it was never made through him. Wow. Later in the book. I bet Lefty found somebody to place that bet. And he lost $400,000 too, unfortunately, for the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Walters was uh, was right on his hunch maybe to not place that bet. Maybe not for the right reason, but his decision turned out to be the right one. Man. All right. Let's take a break and give some love to some of our sponsors. Trey, we'll start with audio-visual consultations. I'm sure you're excited to get home for a few different reasons, but one of those reasons has to be to get back to your home TV setup that you've got from AVC. 
Yeah, you know, I've barely watched television since I've been here. I've watched a couple things on my computer, but the uh, home entertainment system in this multi-million dollar house, it doesn't cut it, PK. And I am especially spoiled because I do have that dream home theater set up in my home in Cedar Park. We also has, have an upstairs video game nook that was put together in the last couple of years. Those guys had the foresight when we were literally just putting a TV up there just to have a television upstairs to say, hey, uh, we're going to put these ports into your walls so you're having to worry less about cables when the inevitable happens and you are starting to acquire video game systems. Sure enough, here we are, two years later and uh, we are using all of those things and more you know the quality of work you've been to a pluckers around town or maybe even around the state and uh, there are plenty of people to vouch for the quality of work of audiovisual consultations that Tomake has been imparting on people for 35 years now going all the way back to 1988 find out for yourself first go to avconsultations.com to see the quality of work that Tomake can provide for you in your home or place of business and then give them a call at 512-255-8678 for audiovisual consultations I'm a case getting old, man. 35 years. My goodness. Been around yeah, well, the block a time or two. And as we've talked about on my radio show over the course of this summer, that was after uh, some time spent in the uh, the Slammer in Dallas, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got some good stories from uh, back in the day. Yeah, Tom's a great guy to talk to. He is Brad Kellner, and this is a Trey and BK Friday on the Night Talker. You didn't know it already. Midday with Trey and BK has returned once again to the airwaves. No, not the radio airwaves, but actually the YouTube airwaves. We are live from 12 to 1 every weekday. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube to gain access to that. You can watch it live or recorded after the fact. Coming up, BK also does a morning show with Bucky for Texas Sports Unfiltered. They spoke with Ricky Williams, who had some really interesting things to say about hazing in sports. We'll dig into that coming up next. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with a Trey and BK Friday on the Night Talker where I am joined by Brad Kellner. If you did not already know, BK and I are bringing back Midday with Trey and BK. You can actually watch it live weekdays from 12 to 1 on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube. Now, BK also does a morning show with one Bucky Godbolt. It is wildly entertaining. Also on Monday through Friday, you can check that out live from 8 to 10 in the morning. Or, of course, watch the replay anytime afterward. Here's another taste of Trey and BK. This one having to do with a clip from an interview that Bucky and BK did with Longhorn legend Ricky Williams. And they get Ricky talking about hazing in sports. Okay, Trey, uh, you you pointed this out to me. You wanted to play this. This was uh, part of our conversation that Bucky and I had with uh, Ricky Williams yesterday. If you missed that, once again, check out the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find it right here on YouTube. But obviously, hazing has become a big topic of conversation amongst football fans with everything that's went on at Northwestern over the last few weeks. And, you know, Bucky asked Ricky Williams uh, about his thoughts on hazing and whether or not it's kosher in 2023 and Ricky Williams had some interesting comments about just that. Take a listen. This might be a little, 
little risque. But I, I think when hazing goes too far and, and the wrong people are hazing, yes. I think it, it's, it's dangerous. But there is something about, and you see it in the military, you see it in contact team sports. There is something about when a group of guys come together and they're trying to accomplish something difficult that they want to have some kind of inner knowing that the people they're around are not going to run away when the bullets start flying. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so, you know, and I think coaches kind of do their own form of hazing. I know the conditioning test and those first couple sure. of days, or either way it used to be, there's those first couple of days of training camp, the, the first goal line drill, you're trying to weed out the ones that, you know, that aren't going to be, aren't tough enough to make it. Um, so I, I think maybe the hazing in that sense, not the, the kind that goes overboard, but this right. true testing to make sure that everyone's on board, I think it's necessary for every for everyone to feel comfortable that I'm going to give my best. I want to know that the people around me are going to do the same. Okay, so there's legendary lifetime Longhorn and Heisman Trophy winner Ricky Williams saying that, hey, a little bit of hazing is kind of necessary to get where you want to get as a football team. What say you, Trey? First of all, I always love hearing Ricky talk about things because much like you, me, and really everybody else who is on this channel right now, he doesn't make these bombastic statements about things. He tries to consider the nuance and also the other side, even when formulating uh, his own opinion on stuff. And I think there is a gray area here that is important to point out. Yes, there is a level of hazing that is no longer hazing, but straight up criminal Uh, physical, and in some cases, sexual assault, which is just awful. And it sounds like a little, at least a little bit of that was going on with the Northwestern situation. But you look at, uh, he mentioned the military. You look at what the Navy SEALs do to guys to basically test their metal to see if they are Navy SEAL material. They put them through something called Hell Week. And if you've ever read a Navy SEAL member's account of Hell, Hell Week, you know just how awful it is. And, but they're putting them through that to make sure that they have the mental toughness to deal with even the most life-threatening situations and aren't going to completely fail their teammates, saying that to the Navy SEALs in the process. So there is a version of that that does exist in sports too that uh, does benefit the team. And I think it also benefits the individual too in helping them to understand that they can get through difficult situations. But again, when it crosses a certain line, it's no longer a form of team building. It's just guys being cruel to younger guys. And so I think one of the important things as we continue to talk about uh, instances that pop, uh, pop up that cost guys their jobs is is uh, coming to a consensus on what exactly that line is, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can't ask somebody to insert something somewhere into their body, right? Like something like that. That's where it becomes crossing the line. That's Unless you're becomes... Lizzo with her backup dancers. And then... Right. They need right. to insert that banana from the strippers. Yeah, that, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Thank you for being my uh, translator there, Trey. That's well done on your part. Yeah, there's there's got to be some sort of just like fight or flight testing. It's a big part of what the SEALs do like yeah. you're talking about, and that I think is what Ricky Williams is talking about too. Like, okay, you've got to create a situation that, hey, everything's kind of stacked up against you, and you've got to basically make a decision in real time uh, about what you're going to do. Like, are you going to be there for your brothers, or are you going to turn away and, uh, turn away and quit? And that happens everywhere. NFL, college football, high school football, like any team sport, 
there's that type of testing that goes on just to make sure that, hey, you can trust the guys around you and the guys around you can trust you. So that's never going to go away. Now, some people, some of those activities, there are people out there who would freak out about that, Trey. And they'd be like, oh man, like you're, you're making your players run that much. You're making your players do this drill or that drill. No, that's inhumane. That, that's assault that you could have a criminal charge for something like that. Like There are people out there who would find even that stuff offensive, but I tend to agree with Ricky. Like that stuff is going to happen. And that stuff is, is important to making sure that you trust the guys around you in a sport in business in life, whatever uh, that stuff's always going to go on. And I hope that continues to go on. And you know what? Even something as simple as running, even though that is maybe considered a form of mild hazing when you are punishing guys for not doing something correctly, there's also a line there, too, that we saw DJ Durkin cross several years ago that very sadly cost one of his players uh, his life. And uh, DJ Durkin lost his job shortly after that as well. So you just have to be smart about it. You know, put guys through difficult situations, but don't do something that is going to... Uh, compromise that person's long-term physical well-being in the process or mental well-being too for that matter yeah no uh, elephant walks are necessary for uh, (laughs) this type of team building that we're talking about here Trey hard pass on the elephant walk and I immediately regret using the word hard there Andrew Martin uh, just asked by the way if Ricky was doing that interview from a yurt I pointed that out on the midday show yesterday too I don't know what that physical structure is but it was not your standard house that Ricky was broadcasting from. And uh, you also just talked about the flight or fight response, which is obviously something that has helped human dev- uh, humans evolve throughout history. Did you know that there's actually a third... Re- this is not a joke, by the way. There is a third response that uh, that people will engage in based on a potentially perilous situation. So you either fight, you stand there and fight for your well-being. You flee if you are if you understand that there is no way to win in a given situation but the third response bk is playing possum there are a lot of people in high pressure situations that are uh, potentially threatening will literally freeze up and basically fall on the ground and look like they're dead much like a possum does when faced with a dangerous scenario too that's not real it i it is 100% real what? I've never seen somebody freeze up, fall to the ground, and act like a possum in a, any situation. Well, they're not acting like a possum. I mean, they're not making possum face when they do so. They're not going... <laughs> but they are falling down and freezing as if they are dead. Oh, I might have to cut up a little video of you doing that oh, and God. have it as a drop for this channel moving forward. That was spectacular. Well, people just freeze up they just don't do anything okay yeah i guess i guess that part makes sense i don't think i've ever seen anyone just completely fall to the ground but uh, hell we're all victims of it at times where you're put in a tough situation you've got to react right away and it just like takes a few seconds for your brain to work and you just kind of end up standing there for a few seconds so not to make light of this horrific tragedy but the story that comes to mind for me based on a, a book that came out recently by mike glover called prepare he's a former uh, Army Ranger and uh, just a, a really uh, valuable resource in, in the uh, realm of preparation. But he tells a story in his new book about how the uh, Virginia Tech uh, shooting massacre that happened several years ago, there was an example of one person who, once the, uh, once the gunman entered the building and started shooting, they literally fell on the ground and just stayed frozen there. Like, not trying to do that, but that was that was their response versus trying to figure out a way to either 
fight back against this person or, or figure out a way to escape the building. And they ended up surviving as a result too. So it's a response much like with possums that does uh, help keep a person alive sometimes. Man, that is a crazy, crazy yeah. story. Where'd you read that? This third, like just about this third fight or flight thing in general. I learned about it from this Mike Glover book, Prepared. He's a, he's a oh, really interesting okay. dude. Yeah, he told the story in the book because he was explaining uh, the value of uh, of going of putting yourself through certain scenarios so that you can better gauge when to fight or flee. But then he also said, and this also helps you to avoid that third response, which leaves you as a, uh, a sitting duck, essentially, which is to just completely freeze up and not do anything. And by the way, com- obviously very apples to oranges situation here, but I've seen that out of producers and radio. Whenever something happens in radio that's like out of the ordinary and requires a certain level of uh, troubleshooting or problem solving to get things back on track, there are some people who start producing live radio that their response whenever the shit hits the fan they don't do anything. They just sit there and they look around and their hands go up and it's like they're almost catatonic. And it's, uh, I guess it's a, a form of playing radio possum. Yeah, I've done that a few hundred times in my radio <laughs> career. A lot of it though is just, I didn't want to do anything. Like right. I knew what I was supposed to do. What my reaction? I was just like, I'm not doing this. So I'll just, I'll just freeze and hope nobody sees me. Well, that's that not playing. Not that's not playing possum. That's indifference. <laughs> that bear's not going to attack me. I'm not going to get fired. I'm just not going to do anything. It's fine. It's fine. He is Brad Kellner, and this is a Trey and BK Friday on the Night Talker. If you didn't know it already, Midday with Trey and BK has returned. No, not on the radio, but on YouTube. That's right. You can watch us live every weekday from 12 to 1. We're part of the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube to access that channel. Coming up in Where Are We At in Society, Taco Bell is in some hot water over their meat. Proving good things do happen on the radio after 10 p.m. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling on 1027 ESPN. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Final segment of a Trey and BK Friday on the Night Talker, where I am joined by Brad Kellner. If you didn't realize it already, BK and I are doing a midday show once again. Midday with Trey and BK can be watched and listened to live weekdays from 12 to 1 on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube. And this is the case for the final segment on Midday with Trey and BK, because it is the final segment of the Night Talker. It is time for... Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism, that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are figuring something out. Perhaps all is not lost, but BK, today is not that day. And we start with Taco Bell today. Now, I did just private chat you a link that I want you to pull up so we can see a picture here in just a second. But uh, BK, you were on the record as saying, and you've said so earlier in this show, that Taco Bell is your favorite place to eat on the planet, correct? That is correct. Do you have a favorite item on the menu, regular item or perhaps even specialty item? Ooh, I've got one of each. Okay. 
My favorite specialty item is something called the Beefy Crunch Burrito, which they just brought back for the first time in seven years. And I don't know if I've said this on the show yet, but I think I've told you this. I'm in a Facebook group called the Beefy Crunch Movement that has nearly 70,000 likes on it. So I'm not alone. Like There's literally a cult following for this one random-ass seasonal item at Taco Bell. And there are people who just have tattoos of this burrito. There are people who sell like shirts and flags with this burrito on it. And it's like the greatest thing ever, dude. People are so happy that this burrito is back right now at Taco Bell. And I am too. I've, I've been there way too much over the last week. So that's the, that's the seasonal one. The regular ones, the Crunchwrap Supreme. That's, uh, that's my go-to. It's been my favorite regular item. And it's one of the most popular items they have on their menu. Okay, what did you say the first one was that somebody's getting a tattoo of? The Beefy Crunch Burrito. Okay, hypothetical for you right now. You get a Beefy Crunch Burrito tattoo somewhere, I don't know, on your arm or leg or butt cheek perhaps. Giant chest tattoo. (laughs) Giant chest tattoo. And you get the Beefy Crunch Burrito Every day for the rest of your life. That's the hypothetical, but the flip side of that is you have to end up in the uh, the bad part of the uh, the Jewish cemetery that you'll eventually be buried in because you have a tattoo. Okay, so my choices are I either get the option to eat the Beefy Crunch Burrito whenever I want. Like get the, ta- yeah. the hypothetical is you get the tattoo and you get a Beefy Crunch Burrito every day for the rest of your life, but then you are also buried in the uh, the shamed part of the Jewish cemetery that you will eventually find yourself in. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, Rabbi. Sorry, Moses. It's that good, man. It is that good. Oh, well, you made a, you made a business decision there. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the Crunchwrap Supreme because the Crunchwrap Supreme is amongst a handful of items that are a part of a lawsuit that was just filed against Taco Bell on Monday. And the lawsuit has to do with Taco Bell falsely advertising how much beef it offers in its most popular menu items. These menu items include the Crunchwrap Supreme, the Grande Crunchwrap, Vegan Crunchwrap, Mexican Pizza, or Veggie Mexican Pizza, and is offering anybody who has ordered one of these items in the state of New York since July 31st of 2020 a piece of the action in this case. Now, I think we all understand that the advertising that you see for a fast food item is going to look drastically different from whatever item is served up to you by that hourly employee who, we were talking about this with radio production a little bit earlier, could not give a about what that food item looks like right. when it ends up with the person. And right. so we, uh, we have some pictures from this NBC News article of uh, Taco Bell, the displayed advertisement versus what this product actually looks like. And uh, BK, the Mexican pizza, that's pretty shameful. I mean, that is half the amount of beef that you are, right? That one right there, that is... Yeah. Maybe half the amount of beef that you're getting. And by the way, that beef 
looks like it's been sitting out overnight for about a week at the same time. Too. Uh, is that not refried beans? Are we sure that's beef? That does look like beef refried beans. Maybe it is refried beans, but it also could be Taco Bell meat. Too. No, I think that's Taco Bell meat. I'm 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 uh I'm zooming in now. My one Taco Bell experience in the last I don't know, 40 years was when I, when I wore that Kim Jong-un romper into a Taco <laughs> Bell with you and had a meal. And uh, it, was, uh, it was about as bad as I thought it would be uh, eating a meal at Taco Bell. And part of it was the low quality of what it was that we were served up. And what we were served that day, BK, looked much more like the picture on the right than the picture on the left. Nah, the food was fine. You loved the food. It was the romper that was causing you problems. Don't, don't get it twisted. You had a great dining experience there at the uh, Westlake Taco Bell that no longer exists because I moved away from Austin and I was their only customer. Let me just tell you this. I've worn that romper again since then. I have not eaten a Taco Bell since then. <laughs> what? Where did you wear that romper? Uh, you, you'll remember this because I sent you a picture when I actually did so. I wore it for Halloween, two Halloweens ago. And uh, definitely freaked my entire neighborhood out in the process. But here's the thing. I didn't want, because this was a romper and it was a pretty tight fitting romper. So I didn't want my junk pressing through this romper where uh, Kim Jong-un's chin was supposed to be. So I put like this, this, uh, this black wig just below the lip. It looked a little bit like a flavor saver, but at least it wasn't exposing me to a bunch of uh, parents and kids who were just trying to trick or, re- trick or treat on uh, October 31st. Yeah, instead you put a flavor saver on there. Nice job. You gave yourself a bush on the romper. Well done there, sir. <laughs> Goodness gracious, that's very family-friendly of you. I'm sure you were the neighborhood favorite that year. Uh, there are people who still won't talk to me as a result of that one, so probably uh, much like your decision to uh, get the tattoo and end up buried in the, the bad part of the Jewish cemetery, a poor decision on my part in the end. Now, Taco Bell has uh, not commented on this lawsuit just yet. Why would they? They're Taco Bell. They, they can probably just uh, pay to have it go away when it's all said and done. Is there any chance this guy wins this lawsuit? I mean, there is a drastic difference in in that one picture, and I imagine that he's got a bunch of photographic evidence that show what's promised versus what is actually delivered, and it's significantly less uh, with the ingredients, specifically the meat that is a primary part of the visual and then also the, the word advertisement for the product itself. This could change fast food forever, man. Like, I don't expect this guy to win this suit, but if he does, then other people are all around the world are going to be like, well, now I can sue my favorite fast food place or my least favorite fast food place because of false advertising. And this might have this might force these fast food chains to up their games a little bit and actually make the food that they serve look more like the food that's in the commercials. Right. Yeah, this just may push uh, most fast food places closer to complete automation where they don't even have humans working at the counter in the drive-thru anymore. You maybe place your order on a computer and there are literal computer arms that are back there making things up for you and then eventually tossing it your way when it's ready to go. And they will do a much better job, by the way, than a, uh, a $10 an hour employee who, again, doesn't give a what that final product looks like. $10 an hour. You think someone working at Taco Bell is in the double digits these days? Maybe the food would look a little better if they were actually getting 10 bucks an hour.
the managers may be closer to 15. I don't know. I, I don't know what Taco Bell is, is is paying their employees at this point. It's probably not a good rate. Sadly, probably still be- better than radio, though. Yep. You want to answer this question before we uh, wrap things up today? Let's hear it real quick, because I do need to uh, mention the uh, the great moments in excrement history, too. Uh, what oh. the F is a romper? Uh, a romper is a one-piece outfit that is uh, pretty short. Think John Stockton shorts shorts going down the legs and also is uh, somewhere between an actual T-shirt and a tank top in terms of the length of sleeves. I can pull out for the people whenever... <laughs> probably shouldn't have said it like oh, that. I can pull the romper joking, out but... for the people whenever I get back home in Austin tomorrow and provide a picture uh, at some point on next week's Trey and BK but uh, it is a, an embarrassing outfit to have to wear in public, especially when Kim Jong-un's face is on the front and back of said romper. Yeah, we're unfiltered, not uncensored. Please uh, please keep your clothes on and do not pull anything out on this show. <laughs> All right, another episode is in the books. You have been listening to not just a Trey and BK Friday on the Night Talker, but Midday with Trey and BK. That's right, the once popular radio show has now returned. No, not in the radio airwaves. We're actually doing a Monday through Friday midday show. That's right, midday with Trey and BK. It's on right now from 12 to 1, Monday through Friday. Those hours may be going up before too long, so definitely stay tuned. You can access that show as well as BK's morning show with Bucky Godbolt by going to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube to gain access to that channel, the live shows, and also the replays after the fact as well. Thank you so much for listening tonight and all week long. Have yourselves a phenomenal Saturday and Sunday. We'll be back on Monday at 10. In the meantime, sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling.